is the place where real dialogue matters. It is time to take flight with Audio Airstrike. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Audio Airstrike. I'm your host, Everett Hall McNeil. Thank you for joining us. Now, this episode will be focusing on Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. So for those of you who have not seen it, don't get mad at me. Just, you know, pause the episode now. This is going to be spoiler alert city. So just keep in mind, you know, we're going to let the cat out the bag on some stuff. We're going to sit over here and get our opinions off, whether you like them or not. Um, that is what will be taking place. Now, I want to introduce some esteemed guests at this t- at this time. I want to introduce some guests. Um, both of them I went to school with. Both of them are highly opinionated, especially when it comes to Star Wars. Uh, to my, I guess, wherever you guys are seeing this, I, um, the person in the black cap is Kale Holmes. Film enthusiast, film buff, also doing his own thing independently. Welcome on to the show. Um, and also, yeah, man, definitely. And also, we got my boy Matthew Friend, who is an editor, Hello. freelance filmmaker, all of the above. Really talented, creative. Um, so, let's get right down to it. Your initial right. thoughts, a couple sentences about your initial thoughts on the overall film. Uh, you want me to go first, Matt? I'll let you. Matt, I'll let you start off. Kale, I'll let you go second. I got, go I got a pull. I actually wrote wrote like an initial thoughts thing down. Give me a sec. Man, we don't need All no right, Declaration of Independence. <laughs> it's like it's like three sentences. It's like three sentences. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, it's a theme park ride without a soul. A film with so little faith in its themes and characters it whizzes and jerks you around a mile a minute dancing iconography in front of you to distract you from the fact that almost nothing makes sense or means anything. Oh, tell us how you really hate it. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Um, Kale, what are your like thoughts? I I see. With me, I had, I guess, I, mine isn't as concise as that, but if I were to sum it up in a few words, because I had such low expectations going in, right. and I'd already kind of lost faith at this point, I just went in expecting something fun, something messy, and in almost like a B-movie kind of way, because I knew how messy it was, I knew how much of a disaster it was probably going to be based on everything you're hearing from behind the scenes. So... With that such low expectations, I got kind of a fun, messy ride that, in a way, I could see a good movie there buried buried beneath all the sewage. That was yeah, there. I mean, I, I guess I feel the kind of the same way. It's like, it felt like the movie equivalent of somebody, like, continually trying to, like, start an engine, and, like, it would sputter, like, every once in a while. They were, I think they were, like two moments in the film where I like actually like really like felt an emotion, like an actual emotion watching the movie. And, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that once we kind of get into the degree, but mostly it just, I didn't feel anything watching the movie. Mm-hmm. It didn't, it didn't, it just didn't do anything for me, which for me, like I didn't hate the movie. Cause like, like Kale said, I kind of went in with uh, not really any expectations of it being good. Now, let, let's. We should probably start off by you know kind of laying out how we how we felt about briefly about kind of what we felt about the two that came before because I liked I liked both Force Awakens and Last Jedi. All right, like I thought they were like 
okay movies. I thought they were doing really, really different things because that's which is kind of uh, part of the problem when you get down to it. But um, yeah, I liked them both for different. I, I Last Jedi, I appreciated what it was trying to do, as messy as it was. I don't, I don't hate it. It is, it is, uh, and I think Ryan Johnson. I've seen, I saw Knives Out. He's clearly a, a pretty good, a pretty good filmmaker, really good filmmaker. So you know, I went into this more just because I felt like at the end of the Last Jedi, I didn't really care. I didn't really care what happened afterwards because it felt like there really weren't a lot of questions or, or sort of thematic through lines that I felt like the movie needed to answer. Cause really the only question left at the end of last Jedi was, you know, are the good guys going to win? It's a star Wars movie. So yes, of course they are. And, uh, are Ray and Kylo going to kiss? <laughs> I would go a little bit further than that. There was, I mean, if there's one thing the last Jedi and this have in common is that the awkward sexual tension between the two of them is about as subtle as his lightsaber. Right, um, and to well, make it more obvious, he was standing there shirtless in one scene for Last Jedi. Right, like it's so weird. And I, I've been hearing stories about you know just audience reactions to the theaters, uh, and and we are full, we are in full spoiler territory right now, right? Like, yeah, go ahead. Talk about shit. Yeah, when they kiss, like right before he dies, apparently, like just like people in the audience, are, like I like laughing because because mm-hmm. it's. It's like there is the t- there was the tension there in the Last Jedi, but you know, there's no reason for these. I mean, they have a connection. That's why I said it's like they it's have a-, a connection. They have a, a history, and they have a common sense of sort of common history and sort of common sort of struggle with you know, you know, being really powerful and like dark side and all that stuff. But it's they uh, surface, but uh, but it wasn't like the kind of romantic because you know he did murder like one of the first people to really take her in as a parental figure like in cold blood with a lightsaber and like is a horrible mass murderer with a lightsaber so it didn't didn't ring true to me the girls the girls girls like dudes with an edge man girls like dudes with an edge it always sells (laughs) but they kind of wrapped that up in the last jedi they kind of were working towards like a relationship and then it ended at the end abruptly kind of she was leaving him like there's that scene where she cut him off from the force thing and they uh, separated and then as soon as the last jedi begin or the the rise of skywalker that tension and everything immediately resumes like there's no resolution to them having that abrupt like ending to their relationship in the last movie they go right back to like i'm going to convert you to the dark side no i'm going to convert you to the light like yeah cuz the end of the end of the last jedi in terms of character arcs we have you know ray has as sort of resolved her sort of where do I belong and and kind of story Finn re- basically repeated his story from the from the force awakens and that sort of ended again it's like should do I need to like look at whether he should look out for his own self-interest in getting away or whether he should make himself a part of this bigger struggle and I thought force awakens that I think last Jedi really codified that for him so again there wasn't really anything for him to do in in this movie i mean i guess there's like some unresolved like uh romantic tension with him and ray but i didn't really i mean they were apart the entirety of the last jedi so i didn't i didn't really care right let me chime when in finally, when they finally are physically in the same spot for the first time it's a total non-moment 
it's a they don't really emphasize that because they go to the whole like them for being force connected in the same space they really don't have any subtlety with that anymore they're literally having lightsaber battles which i wonder what that must have looked like to people they did ray just look like she was on pcp i thought those i thought around. the action i didn't think the action in this this sort of lightsaber fights in this movie were were sure and i i don't really like a lot of the lightsaber fights in the sequel as much as they kind of i know they're trying to break away from like the the over choreographed dance routines that the prequel trilogy had but they they felt just kind of clumsy to me and well, I think it made sense in The Force Awakens that it was kind of clumsy because Kylo was very injured. Right. That, that's a pretty, yeah, that, right. That's probably the yeah. only one that I kind of buy really in there. All brutal and kind of messy, you know, supposed to be. But by the time the, the Rise of Skywalker is going to be around, like, you're supposed to really think that these two are the most talented Jedi. Yeah, and- they should. Can, can we just talk about the fact for a second that the three times that Kylo Ren and Rey fought each other? Kylo Ren loses. So where is it? He just loses every time. Like how is he? How is he? A, how is he? A, how is he a threat to her? If he literally just every time they encounter each other, he just loses. Really embarrassing. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that that was one of the the kind of the main problems. I think he should have got a couple close calls in there, almost making him lose to kind of make him more of a threat. Um, to and add that, in and the fact that the character is still interesting, Kylo Ren is still an interesting character despite the fact that he just loses all the time, I think is really a testament to how good an actor Adam Driver is. Yes. True. I just it, saw Marriage Story. That was devastating. God, Adam Driver, I, I hope he... I mean, I've, I've, of all the cast... There's always, like, that one Star Wars cast member that just, like, escapes the gravitational pull of Star Wars and, like, just ha- flourishes. It was Harrison Ford in from the original trilogy. Uh, That's interesting. Uh, maybe Ewan McGregor and Natalie Portman kind of were sort of nobodies and they kind of hackers. And I think Adam, Adam driver and this, I think, I think, uh, John Boyega is an yeah. Oscar Isaac too. You know, maybe I don't know about Daisy Ridley, so I don't know. Well, has she done about. anything since like, she did? She did that murder on the Orient Express movie. And apparently she did like this, this young adult novel adaptation with Tom Holland that they filmed like three or four years ago. Uh-oh. And just never yeah, released. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that, and it was never released, and because of like it went through like a release hell or something. Yeah, so I'm, I don't know. I'm not. It's not really on my radar there, but it's. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, so I I wanted to get to one other thing, and then my my thoughts on Rise of Skywalker is this, and I just want to get your opinion on it. Uh, for one, I'll start by saying this: I thought Last Jedi was. Um, I'm not going to say uber trash, but it there were some things that really ticked me off and I didn't like. Um, and I felt like even though J.J. Abrams said that my job was not to clean up any mess that Last Jedi possibly left behind, it was more of I'm trying to to wrap this up nicely. Um, where I think they messed up was it's putting ryan johnson in the middle of what jj abrams was doing in my personal opinion i think you need one director throughout the trilogy to to have that consistency that's there you see a breakup of consistency the reason why is because you got two different directors working on a trilogy and they're gonna have very very different ideas as to the execution 
if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think with in Ryan Johnson's case, I think his and and again, I I like the Last Jedi. I I I liked it when I I mean I haven't watched it since fully since I saw it in theaters, but I just I remember I liked it. I liked it pretty good coming out of the theater, though. You know, it's kind of waned on me a little bit uh, since then. I feel like because Ryan Johnson's thing, and he said as much, is that he wanted to make a movie about Star Wars. Uh, the problem with that is if you're going to make a movie kind of about something, you've kind of got to resolve the thesis of your of your of your movie within the one movie that he has, which is bad when there's another movie that has to follow after. So if he spends his movie and he resolves his movie and his sort of thematic thesis that he's kind of going for within that one movie, it doesn't really leave a lot of momentum for the next movie to kind of pick up on. Cause if we're talking about like the other two trilogies that le- they left off the middle chapter left off with something to, you know, to look forward to. And we, just, we did talk, we talked about this earlier, like, you know, empire strikes back, Hans kidnaps Luke dealing with, and it's not, and it's not just plot things like Han being kidnapped. It's also questions of like Luke dealing with, you know, trying to become a Jedi and finding out his father is Darth Vader. So there's questions in terms of his internal, the internal conflict kind of going right there. And, you know, the prequel trilogy, as much as, as the issues, issues with them aside, attack of the clones left off with, you know, clone Clone wars have started. Anakin has given in to his, his, his feelings and is married Padme. And, you know, it, it leaves something to look f- to to you know to be resolved in the next film. And I didn't think I thought Ryan Johnson was a little selfish in really focusing so much on trying to make a movie about Star Wars that he kind of was a li- was a little myopic in his approach. So I, I, as much as I can harp on JJ for all his you know his weaknesses as a storyteller, and there are many. Yes, I, he was kind of dealt a shit hand from the start. So. I don't know if you can really pin the blame on one or the other. Well, they both, in a weird way, made like uh, starter films. Like they both kind of, in a weird way, these three films to me kind of remind me of uh, the last three Terminator movies, where each of them they're supposed to be a follow up to Terminator Two. Yeah, fo- a follow up to something, but also be their own thing. Right, and all of them kind of didn't really follow up on what the other one that preceded it. Like each mm-hmm. film, when we started with the Force Awakens, the next one, Last Jedi, totally threw out everything that the Force Awakens had set up to do its own thing, and then Rise of Skywalker comes and totally outdoes everything that the Last Jedi did to set up things. So mm-hmm. it feels like the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi were both two setup films, and then I agree, yeah. Yeah, and then Rise of the Skywalker was almost like trying to undo something, but still not make it not not make it totally unnecessary. Well, I think ultimately it, it comes down to, and you know, I just think it just comes it a lot of it comes down to not having that person on the mountaintop mm-hmm. who can see far and see where it needs to go and point and say that's the direction that we got to go. Like, I mean, people, people rightfully talk about how, you know, George Lucas needed people, needs people around him 
to be able to focus and and get to be able to to you know guide to help him guide his ideas into something watchable. But the, 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 in the same token, something like this needs, if not George Lucas, then then one person who can you know point and say this is the direction we're going and. This is where we need to go. This is the through. This is the thematic through line. This is the story we're going to tell over three films, rather than we're going to make three more Star Wars movies in isolation and kind of hope that they kind of, you know, maybe line up or something. Yeah, it is kind of weird how it, I think like the two people out of this whole like Disney Star Wars experiment. It seems like the two people people are praising the most are John Favreau for his writing on the Mandalorian. And Gareth Edwards for directing Rogue One. It seems like I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of Rogue One. I liked the last third of Rogue One, all right. But his direction, he actually knew how to film a Star Wars film. He actually knew. Yes. How to, yeah, he actually. Honestly, you know who I think probably in terms of maybe not necessarily you know directing all the films, but who should have really been like sort of the 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 visionary who kind of crafts this. Dave Filoni, you know. That's what I also yeah. Because he did like the the, the Clone Wars and Clone Wars TV series, and I mean, I've there's he's George Lucas himself. David Filoni is more or less his 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 apprentice. He's his right. the person he he sort of was bringing up to be sort of like his successor and sort of being the overseer of Star Wars. Well, uh, I haven't yeah, like but... delved too much into the Clone Wars. Like, I kind of want to now that I have Disney Plus, but there's like so much of it. But I actually hear. Like there were like petitions to make that its own thing that it didn't follow any sort of like it 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 would totally uh, retcon the events of Revenge of the Sith and just kind of do its own thing from its own point. Like at, at what, what thing? Uh, at the um, like during like the fifth or sixth season of the Clone Wars, right. they, like people wanted it to do its own thing because they actually liked this version of Anakin and they liked these versions of the characters and they figured that, that the events could still happen, but make it their own version of how the, the events transpired. Yeah, uh, but I I don't agree. I like Revenge of the Sith a whole lot, personally. Isn't it uh, weird that's the one uh, trilogy bookend out of all the trilogies that really wraps everything up that it set out to do initially? Like, even Return of the Jedi kind of has some slip-ups when it comes to, like, completing its arcs of its characters. I, I don't know if I 100% agree with that. Um, I think it does it maybe a little too cleanly, honestly. Uh, I think it does Luke's story great. Return, yeah, I like Return of, the, Return of the Jedi, I think, might be my second favorite Star Wars movie after Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, well, unanimously. I like yeah. the, the, unanimously, the every, I mean, everybody's favorite the top Star Wars film is Empire. Empire. Yeah. Well, for I think it's the majority opinion. I know some people who like uh, the original, original better. Oh, okay, gotcha. Notice how we basically just kind of spent a lot of this time just talking about Star Wars in general, and we haven't started talking about Rise of Skywalker yet. Yeah, that and is true. really just not that much to talk about. <laughs> I mean, the movie is literally two thirds of it. They go to the planet, they talk to some people, and they get the thing. That that's really all that's happening. And there are things like, that. There was no setup for like the Sith holocrons and something and stuff. Those are never discussed in any of the two films. Pa- literally, Palpatine is mentioned in the first sentence of the text crawl to be like, "Hey, he's back." I guess. Oh, you know that transmission they they mention. Do you want to know where you had to hear that before you before you saw the film? 
in the the Fortnite Star Wars event that they had a week before the film came out. Mm. That was where you had to, they had actually had the broadcast playing in in Fortnite for the event, you know, to get the kids kind of on board. You it's know, it's like a beautiful Greek tragedy about <laughs> that describes it, Disney's um, focus as to their their target audience or what they were trying to create with this Star Wars. Unintentionally or not, I think the Star Wars saga as a whole has sort of become this incredible meta-commentary about, you know, the perils and pitfalls of, like, mythic storytelling Mm -hmm. and sort of all the aspects, like, the the original trilogy, which works great on its own, is self-contained, the quibbles and all. The prequel trilogy, which is, you know, the visionary who's trying to get all these themes in context and universe building out that he couldn't do within the framework of just the classical storytelling and go so far afield. He kind of loses a lot of the basic, like the basic humanity that, you know, creates that connective spark with people. And then the sequel trilogy, which is the derivative works Mm -hmm. from the people who are, who are fans and are sort of made by committee and how they're not able to capture that, that sort of, uh, ingenuitive spark that sort of makes the original six if not necessarily good films like unique works of mythic storytelling right it's it's hard to get the vibe from the originator if the originator doesn't have his hands deep in the foundation like in the movies previous it's hard to reduplicate that magic I don't care who's involved George Lucas gave him Oh, I've and George Lucas gave them like what, outlines what, for the story, and he said that they were go before they signed. It was like a handshake agreement that they said, "Hey, we're going to take your ideas, we're going to tinker them with them, but we're going to keep the essence of what you wanted in this movie to be." And apparently, and, with Rise of Skywalker, apparently with Rise of Skywalker, J.J. Uh, Abrams brought George Lucas back on to do a story. Like these are rumors. Okay, okay, disclaimer: these are rumors, rumors that are floating around. Rumors floating around. But that J.J. Abrams brought George Lucas back on and they came up with a story and they came up with, you know, a script that they were going to do. But at some point, Disney got cold feet and started tinkering with things and demanding things. And and that's it's it's a whole. And they basically scrapped George's ideas again. And that's the issue, because the originator, the guy and say what you want about George Lucas, when he sold it to Disney. When he sold that product of Star Wars to Disney, because let's keep in mind, George made a good chunk of change because he believed in what he was doing. That we know for sure. And he's sure. making money off of it. I mean, he, he has a bunch True. of Disney stock, so he's, he's making bank off. He's, he's making bank. But the problem is, is the originator has been kicked, has been subtly kicked out of that original seat. You said Disney got cold feet just now and was like, no, we want these changes. Imagine if they didn't get in the way at that point. What would this film had looked like? We you know what I'm saying? Only yeah. I, can't wait, I can't wait for people's NDAs to expire so that they can just start. <laughs> well, I mean, everyone kind of loves that uh, when the Phantom Menace DVD came out, they had that wonderfully almost macabre uh, behind the scenes documentary of the making of it where they kind of. I've watched that so many times just because right. it is such a. There, there's something really, and you know what? I like the Phantom Menace all right because I've got a lot of nostalgia for it. It's a good sort of you know adventure movie for kids, yeah. Thing, and I appreciate it for that. And but uh, there's something there's something 
and I, there's another one because I I'm I'm I've there's a similar sort of really exhaustive behind the scenes documentary like really comprehensive documentary about like the Matrix sequels too. So that it coupled with with like the Phantom Menace documentary is like you're watching all these people who are just so passionate about this and so believe that this is going to be this beloved seminal work of of genre of genre fiction and just the amount of effort and work that just kind of goes so and you can kind of see the cracks in where things are going to be where the problems are going to be that they just can't see cuz cuz the momentum and they just it's just so big and unwieldy they just can't you know you know that's why i would love to get a handle on it which is probably you know kind of what happens with with the sequel trilogy too which is why i think as soon as like you say those uh MDAs are expired, and they can do a tell-all about like behind the scenes of Rise of Skywalker. That to me would be absolutely fascinating because you know you hear so much stuff from everybody about rumors and every. And I think that story in itself will probably be more of a frantic yet cohesive story than we got with the final film. <laughs> like, there's probably more drama there, more actual. Like, I mean, it is because it's real life, but just this total collapse of trying to please everybody and please stakeholders and focus tech groups. Right, and which is already this. impossible to please everybody. Yeah, from what I understand from the rumors, the the whole the reason, because there's different people, like apparently the people at Lucasfilm were really keen on like Ryan Johnson. I, re- I really probably shouldn't like be, like I mean these are these are kind of rumors and things like that, but it's sort of like Different people, different you know, people, upper level people at Disney and Lucasfilm had different ideas on kind of who they wanted to kind of lead it because they were, like you said, they're keen on you know, maybe keen on trying to unite everybody in in loving Star Wars. And when you know, I guess the the Lucas story for Episode Nine was sort of like, then they and they had to admit, you know, this won't please everybody. Then they that's why they kind of got cold feet because they're really keen on. And if the box office is any indication for Rise of Skywalker, uh, they didn't bite. No, they. I, I think it's it's the lowest by at least thirty million. At least, yeah. For, yeah, for opening week. compared much. to compared to last to Last Jedi, it's a it's a pretty significant drop. I don't know. I don't know if it'll. I don't know if it'll even break a billion, which is, you know, shocking. Well, the shocking. fact that. Endgame made a billion dollars over a weekend, and this it doesn't seem to be. I think like three hundred million worldwide is what I'm hearing, close to four hundred million this weekend. And but and the reason why you brought up that we're not talking about the movie because I'm trying to think about points, and it's it's not a movie. The rise Rise of Skywalker is not a movie. It is a series of Star Wars related images played at twenty four frames per second. With an accompanying John Williams' greatest hits score going right. along with it. The huh. only time I, I thought it was truly thematic was the whole Death Star sequence when they're there. Like that was the only thing that I think they actually had. Character- can we talk? Can we talk about the fact that this ancient knife that they have? Was it an ancient knife? Because it would have had, in order for it to yeah. make sense, it would have had to have been made in the last four years because the edge of the blade was exactly to the <laughs> edge of this particular wreckage of the Death Star. I mean, did whoever make the knife see the future and know that they were going to stand in that exact spot on the cliff overlooking right. the particular wreckage to line it up? Language, an ancient language from like thousands of years ago, and like he couldn't say it because it had been outlawed for like generations and generations. Yeah, it had a little thing come out and point to the to the to the thing. 
So let's let's get into while we're on that. Let's get into. I'm just going to list off some of the big moments that happened um, and get our thoughts on this. And Kale, after I say these big moments, Kale, I'm gonna have you take over with your initial thoughts. Um, Okay. Oh yeah, kind of did. We have. (laughs) No, you good? (laughs) I just want to make sure Kale gets his opinions off. Um, We had Ray find out that she is the daughter of Palpatine. We have had um, Kylo Ren ended up turning on the good side at the last minute. We find out that Snoke was created by Emperor Palpatine for a bigger cause. Um, We find out that um, that Palpatine gave the order to have Ray's parents killed. Um, And then we find out that he has been that uh, Palpatine has been away in hiding, trying to plot for something major and huge. We also find out um, we also there are appearances by. Um, of course, uh, Princess Leia passed away. We should away. probably start off like one by one because this is a lot of... I can do that, but I can also... All the points that you're making, as far as all those plot beats, I feel yeah. like if J.J. Abrams had directed the second film and had written the second film, those were all the revelations that would have been in his second film. Right. Which would have led... Maybe. Because he does it all... all those... I don't know if Palpatine even being in the picture would have... You know. Well, I think she could have been a Palpatine, but Palpatine himself would probably not have been a factor. Like, I do think there was some setup because she went straight to any time like the Force was mentioned in the pre in the Force Awakens with her, or even in the Last Jedi, she would go to a dark place. Like, it was not a place of welcoming. Like, the Force was it. It was a dangerous thing to her, right. and it did seem like she had more of a dark relationship with the force kind of like, like foreshadowing something right like even in the force awakens when she finds luke's lightsaber it's not like a moment of clarity for her it's a like it's a fearful moment it's a there seems to be a lot more darkness associated with it yeah um, but i mean all those points you make like there's they're just made so abruptly and there's no you don't have time to really reflect on it or then and they that, don't and they yeah. don't really go all the way with it like she she's afraid but she's let out like but that doesn't like that doesn't like you know she says she's afraid it shows spooky images sometimes but it doesn't like pay off dramatically except for one point in the rise of skywalker which they immediately backpedal on and you know exactly what moment i'm talking about right where she uh, faces she fights her evil self I'm talking when she she blows up the ship that Chewbacca supposedly on by accident with force yes, lightning. One time she uses force lightning in this film, or she's like so powerful, and it's just used for like quick sim. Because in the very next scene, you see that he's alive. Like it's not. Yeah, even- I was I was shocked when it happened. I'm like, oh right. wow, this is it's actually doing something. Like they really are kind getting of, kind, kind of out, kind of out. I mean, it was a little and- abrupt for a character as important as is you know. Is for Chewbacca, it's going to piss a lot of people off in the next season. It's like, wow, they're Ray. Ray is allowed to actually royally screw up with something that has lasting consequences. Right, for her. and and to be honest with you, that was my biggest problem with this film. There were way too many fake deaths. Mm-hmm. Way too many fake deaths. They should have killed oh, Chewbacca's uh, ass back. off. I'm sorry, but it's true. It completely undermines C-3PO's really great moment there by just like a few scenes later, just like, and he's back. 
He's back to old C-3PO. Yeah, they should have, you know, there, there needs to be a great sacrifice by the old guard. Chewbacca should have been, had left, been killed off. CP3O should have just had his memory wiped. There was no way of getting it back, and they should have left it as that. There should have been bigger sacrifices. And then Leia making her a sacrifice. Like, that would have been a stronger Was that film. a sacrifice? Like, what, what exactly? I mean, I know they were limited because they were basically working off of archival she, footage she from was, The Force Awakens. She, yeah, she was giving up the ghost and was going to be one with the Force. That's what that was. The ghost. I mean, that's what it pretty much is. Was it just her, like, giving one last, like, kind of doing what Luke did where she used all the Force powers she had left to kind of, like, show her son that she loved him? But if that's the case, then why did Han of anybody appear behind him? Like, why didn't his mother appear if she was using all the Force or something? That's because they didn't, they couldn't, because Carrie Fisher was dead and they couldn't film it. I know, but that, but then. I thought, I thought the moment with Han was really great. That was one of the yeah, two moments. Was. Yeah, that was that was one this, of the big moments. Stirrings of an actual emotion in my chest, and the and as much as I'm not fond of like just like fan servicey callbacks when he when he kind of like chokes up and says "Dad" and he says "I know." Yeah, yeah, I that know. was huge. That, that was a big that, moment. I was like, right, that landed. <laughs> well, originally, now this is another rumor that I heard. I heard that that was when they were supposed to have Hayden Christensen come back as a Force Ghost of Anakin. I wish he did. And I he really wish he could tell him that he found redemption and that you know he doesn't. His have voice, to- his voice was in the movie. Yeah, right. his voice was in the movie. Near the and end. I heard the rumor. The rumor that I heard. The reason why he didn't is because now Hayden Christensen is a farmer. Like he has like these these farmlands, and that's what he does. And it was like harvest season. So he couldn't reprise the role. Like he was way too busy. Oh wow! I mean, they had so many reshoots; they could have plugged it in somewhere. I mean, if they were going to work, they could work around a schedule for like a day of shooting. I mean, come on. I mean, but honestly, he, I I, I, feel, I felt like the scene with with Han Solo like, would have been we're stronger. Learn that maybe they filmed something with him, and then and then it just didn't work out. It just didn't hit. Well, maybe did you know, that, you, know, did you know that Matt Smith was actually cast in the movie. There's like a lot that they cut. From they like they basically reshot like massive portions of the movie. Matt Smith was apparently supposed to be like a major villain in the like the major villain in the movie. Mm-hmm. Get out and of they here. completely excised his role from the film. The rumor being that he was gonna if you I don't know how many of y'all are, are familiar with um the Clone Wars TV show, but they introduced like this concept of these sort of force gods but they're not really sort of gods they're just kind of manifestations and there's like the father and then the daughter and the son who are like the light side the daughter and the dark side the son and that matt smith was going to play the son and that was he was going to be the primary antagonist of of episode nine but they thought but disney thought it was too esoteric and was like nobody really knows who that is and maybe that was why the Hayden thing didn't work out because people who hadn't watched the prequels, when if he would show up, then they'd be like, oh, "Who the hell is this guy?" <laughs> no, nah, I don't think that. I don't think that was. It's just. I think they just kind of restructured the story, or they got. Yeah, or they somehow convinced Harrison Ford with like which $10 is million the dollars to come thing I thought, You know, like he said, like he would never, like he just didn't care, didn't give a shit. It was like, I mean, honestly, it was like one angle. It was like maybe like a couple hours he could be here. He could basically do the role in his sleep, right? For like a cool like ten million or for like a cool like million or something like that. I mean, I. But that's why I said like at that moment, like that was like the one story beat in that whole film that I actually like. You said you get something out of emotionally; it resonates with you. 
And the then, other one was Chewy cry was Chewy crying when he right, found out that Leia. He's the guy who actually right. lost everything. He's lost everything, and you actually feel like this pain through like this fur suit. I don't care that Palpatine has his crazy Sith rave at the end where he's like sucking up blood. Were those actual people in there? Were those actually followers, or were those manifestations of? His imagine like his powers or something. Did he have? Does it matter? They they Who don't the they don't establish Ray? either or. Who are the Knights of Ray? Like the Knights of Ray, I don't. They're people to get cut down by by Kylo Ren. It was good to the see them. See, that's another thing. Why bring these guys in? You don't give them they a walk, scene they where they look around. like a threat. They they capture Chewie, but they don't like fight Chewie. They just kind of like they grab him and walk to the ship. And then they walk down a hallway, and then some store troopers are like, those are Knights of Ren. Oh, wow. They're real spooky. And then they show up at the end, and Kylo Ren just kills him. Yo, had they had they had just, had they had revealed them or having them kill Chewie, had them doing something notable, something rememberable, something. Well, and they were Force-sensitive, because weren't those the Knights that That's he what I, I figured, yeah, they were like yeah, old students. The, they didn't have, like, lightsabers nope. or anything, or... Because Luke had twenty four apprentices or something, and then Kylo took twelve of them when he betrayed him. So they, were they? They were supposed to be like force sensitive, and no, they, I don't know. I don't read the, the extended or whatever. No, but it was the last said Kylo took twelve of my knights and killed the other twelve. I don't know if there was an exact number, and they were like some yes. of his. They, yeah. I know it's like he took some of them and then did that. So let me tell you something. It was the biggest letdown of that film because when I saw the Knights of Ren, I was like, "Oh, we're going to get a good fight scene with all of them or something." We didn't get not we didn't get not one massive like showing how strong they are. Nothing. You can't bring an infamous group like that in and not have them do something memorable. At least take like out that, a main I did like character. That moment in their fight, I did like that moment in the fight, like right when when Kylo Ren gets the blue lightsaber that he does that that kind of shrug thing, like right before that was. That you saw the Han Solo kind of peek through right. a little there, uh-huh. and, well, and I, it's a I little moment, that. a little moment that I really, really like. And why didn't why why are we so anti green lightsaber? Like I wanted, right? yeah, yeah. Why like, didn't Ray pull that out? Like it would have been dope. You see the blue and the green lightsaber. Like how come that wasn't? I also don't know why it had to be like. I don't know why it had to be Leia's lightsaber because that required kind of a clunky setup for mm-hmm. that. That they had the CG CG Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher. Yeah, the CG the, the CG Mark Hamill. So yeah. The CG Mark Hamill was Luke, great. Just have it be just have it be Luke's like green lightsaber or something. So it'd be those two lightsabers. So it would make sense to bury both of them in Tatooine at the end because they're Luke Skywalker's. But it would be so like that was actually even though that sequence was like twenty seconds long where him and Le- Luke and Leia were training. That was another scene where I actually was intrigued by this prop, this this idea of Luke training Leia to be like a Jedi Knight herself. Like no, it I was, thought that would have been. I thought that was. If it was a little bit more extended, I know like there was some uncanny CGI, but yeah, well, Mark <laughs> Hamill looked fine. Young Mark Hamill looked fine. Young Carrie Fisher looked spooky. Yeah. Well, in the de aging process or whatever they had to do, like Carrie Fisher, it's so weird. She's the youngest of all three of them by far, but because of her lifestyle, she looks at least like 15 years older than both Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford. Yeah. Yeah, man. But, but it, I mean, and that's what I thought was going to be like the final lightsaber battle. I thought the Knights of Ren were going to fight um, 
Ben and uh, Ray. And I thought... Which would have been dope. Right. Or like even if Palpatine, when he was fully restored, if he had a lightsaber battle with them, like even like a, a callback to the Clone Wars animated series where he had like the two Sith sabers or something like, just give us something like... But here's the problem with that, though. If we end, if the climax of the movie is a massive lightsaber fight, what does that mean thematically? I mean, it was what they ended up doing was like just as dumb and bad. But like, how could they end like this thing with? I mean, Palpatine's. I mean, bringing back Palpatine, I think, was thematically just a mistake in the first place. One because it undermines Anakin Skywalker's sacrifice sacrifice at the end of there and that whole thing there. And just the whole thing was you don't want to kill the emperor because killing him, you give in to your hatred and stuff like that and fall to the dark side or or something. Never 100% understood how that worked. But they kind of repeat that here. And so fighting him and just winning in a contest of strength, I mean, what what is there there to like mean anything? It's just, oh, we beat the, the other guy. Can I play fantasy uh, climax ending? Um, so what they should have done is, and I want to get your thoughts on this, have Palpatine bring in the Knights of Ren. Like that's the first time you, you I mean, if you're going to bring them in for something, have them come in to take Ray out, have Kylo step in to be by her side have isn't that just a repeat of the throne room fight from last jedi though way better though That's what I was thinking. way better way better well, keep in mind i'm not a big fan of last jedi so i think you know i'm i'm literally putting that away in my mind i feel like this would have been better you have well, that fight like you had that fight go on but you had the knights of ren kill off kylo ren which leaves ray to have the power of the Jedi all to herself to take out the remaining members of whoever the Knights of Ren are because Kylo does get, you want to have Kylo go out strong a little bit, have him kill off a couple of those Knights, and then you have the climactic thing between Palpatine and Rey. This is just me hodgepodging around trying to come up with a climax. Matt's sitting over there looking like, (laughs) I don't know about that one. What do you do with Palpatine though? That still leaves the question of how do you resolve it? I mean, the reason the reason the end of return of the jedi works as an ending for luke store for the emperor and darth vader and luke story is that it wasn't about you know beating the emperor it was about redeeming darth vader right but here's a problem and the emperor I, is destroyed because of that sort of thematic turn there and that's where the drama comes from let me Not tell you from something. fighting the fighting the emperor right and the drama coming from that, it was from the drama of bringing Anakin Skywalker back from the depths of Darth Vader. If they did that again, I mean, they can't really do that with like, you know, Kylo Ray, Kylo Ren and the Emperor here, because then that's just a repeat of Return of the Jedi. Right. So what do you do? What can you do new that isn't just a contest of strength? Right. Here's a problem. Power here's, undermines a, it. here's a problem, though. I didn't write for Palpatine to come back. So I'm getting this script in front of me that's saying, hey, Palpatine's coming back. Make the best of it. So now you're forcing me to come up with a climax that still is going to negate what happened in Return of the Jedi and that sacrifice. 
Which is why bringing back Palpatine in the first place was... Should have never happened. Did you even say how he came back? The dark side is the pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. I literally just kind of groaned in my seat when they did that. That one prequel thing, it's a great scene in the prequels, but... Yeah. That's the one thing you're going to bring something back for, is to hand wave away how Palpatine... Clones... I mean, it implied that he could, like, his spirit could... And what's to say he can't come back? How's this the ending? Right? He's <laughs> probably got another backup drive somewhere. Yeah, it's, it's it crazy. Force drive. I thought it was a mistake to kill Kylo. I thought if you're really going to end, like, a book end series, end of that story... Gave him too easy of an out. Well, but no, but it wasn't easy out because he still didn't... I feel like no, that's been... what I mean. What we got was too oh, easy. Yeah, Killing was, the person after being redeemed is too easy now. Like I've seen some p- ideas of people like he should have gone to Tatooine and lived as a hermit as sort of like a, a penance thing and to well, like what if sort of... Ray decided to flee like they, they saved the day and they knew that he could never be like a part of society again. Like he couldn't he would have to pay for his crimes and everything. So they decide as a couple to like leave like they don't have to that'd be, be a, that'd be a I don't think enough. I don't think they should have been a couple but I do think he should I do think they should have maybe split split in kind of a way where there's sort of a mutual like not friendship respect thing kind of going on but I think Kylo should have gone his own way Ray it is kind of weird that they were like making out as he was dying That that's kind of like a I don't think she knew it's he was about, die. It's, it's about them ticket sales people people want I mean, that I mean I think that <laughs> This was so unearned. I feel like they're like, okay, let's let them, let's make him kiss because that's what everyone wants to see. Yeah, money, ticket sales, yeah. fan girls going crazy. I literally had somebody Everybody. was like, oh, do they kiss at the end? I said, I'm not telling you that. She was like, oh my god, I have to, I have to see it, I have to see it. Like, girl, you, you don't chill them, out. Just tell them, just tell them so that they won't see it. Deviant art is gonna be lit with like <laughs> different kinds of like. Drawings and styles of that you kiss. That and like it, you say that like it's not already, or <laughs> hasn't already, or they haven't already come up with all sorts of permutations of romantic encounters between Ray and Kylo Ren. Yeah, hopefully they yeah. keep it PG. But um, <laughs> they, they, no, they're not. <laughs> no. Well, I figured. <laughs> but really, what else is there really to talk? I mean. The movie itself is just the whole sequel, like you said, of fetch quests and just scenes that really don't lead up to anything. I, I kind of... My bad. My bad to interrupt. I'm going to let you finish your thought. What were you saying, Kale? Well, well, as far as a film from a narrative of a beginning, a middle, and end, what the... Return uh, the Last Jedi was a mess, but it did have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Force Awakens, beginning, middle, end. All these movies had a beginning, a middle, and an end. I cannot, for the life of me, recall what was the midpoint of this film. What was the point of this film where, okay, now these characters, all these characters, have to do this to overcome something? There was never that. This is our most desperate hour for like that that midway point where they have to make serious adjustments and grow as characters to make an adjustment like i can very uh, maybe the the point where where you know ray is like learns of her heritage and but that's sort of like right before the third the, the third act or whatever and she uh 
discovers she's a Palpatine and tries to isolate herself at Octo, I think is the name of the, the planet from Last Jedi where Luke was hiding on and tries to pull that and hide there because she's afraid of of you know what she what she could uh, what she could become or whatever. But even I mean, then she herself hasn't suffered anything. She herself hasn't had to change or had to like all it heard was hey this is your family history. It's not so, like you said with the chewy thing. There's nothing that she has done or nothing that has happened to her that's made her have to make any adjustments. Like she's yeah. not through any sort of challenge or like there needed to be moments where she would like she would get really really angry with her friends or or do something kind of overly aggressive with them like that was like again that the part where she may have where she accident where she accidentally light force lightnings the ship and blows it up that was getting there but they had to have like an escalation of that amongst 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 you know her journeys with finn and poe like her getting more impatient more or, angry, more fed yeah. up with things were going. Like it needed, it needed her to do that, but it, it didn't. It didn't. Or like when she, if she would have destroyed the ship with the lightning, she didn't initially like get shocked or anything. Like she was still angry, and she didn't care about the ship for a second. She didn't care. Nah, about I think. I think. I like that. That that it kind of really broke her out of like her 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 big anger moment. Like. She had oh fuck what have I done that I like I like I like that moment there. I mean I did I did like it, but as far as it showcasing herself as she has those sides of the darkness in her, like there's a darkness of the power, but it there isn't that darkness of her heart. Like there there needed to be some edge to her if she if it was necessary for her to be a Palpatine. Like I feel like there really wasn't any reason for her to actually be a Palpatine. Besides a quick reason to say why she's so overpowered, and without having to explain her actually having training or anything, and it's it's a lazy, it's also a lazy shorthand for her, like having the potential to be evil. I think it's a lot more, like I was saying, it's a lot more powerful if it's just something that's just naturally of her character as as a nobody. Because I like that, I like that twist honestly in the Last Jedi that it was revealed that she didn't have a history, she right? Was just, some person and i mean i have issues with you know her being you know like she did a new training and she's too overpowered like all oh, we could we could niggle on everyone's talked about that way too much but my but point was i like that she was she wasn't really like some just some descendant of 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 a character or anything i mean i don't i wouldn't go as far as saying that that was like a massive subversion like now the forces i mean the prequels, they had aliens of all shapes, colors, and sizes could be force used, and their parents weren't force used. So it's, that was already like an established thing. And but, they could be like her. We're like talking she, like the main hero of the story right. doesn't have to be like some, like, have to be connected to a legacy character. It could be. And it could be a next version of what was Anakin. Like Anakin himself wasn't really, you know, he didn't have. Yeah, but he was, but he was the chosen one, and he was born immaculately conceived. I mean, I think they've tried to like wiggle in some things like the force had something to do with it, or even like Palpatine had something to do with it. I think some of the comics have implied, implied that whatever, I'm just counting the movies here. It's like, he's chosen one. That's still kind of like, and how is he, and how is she, this, this opens up like, so how is she Palpatine's granddaughter? Does that mean he was like slinging dick as like this crippled old, like, well, 
form. If we think about the time, it's possible. I mean, it's what? So it's 20, 56 years. And she's like 20 something. It's possible that her parents could have been like in their 40s. And this could have been like right, like right before Revenge of the Sith or like the Clone Wars when Palpatine was still like kind of, you know, looked like a human being and was like Supreme Chancellor and. But I mean that doesn't really fit with Palpatine's character, he where he is—he is sort of like is uh, he's aloof, but he—he's—he's single-minded in his mm-hmm. in his machinations. Like he—he he doesn't strike me as the person who would, you know, go off on dalliances and father love children and things like that, because that would be a threat to his power. Having having descendants, it was clear that the mother of Ray was his daughter. Like he had a daughter. I don't know. I don't. Because the man, the, her father didn't look anything like him, but her mother kind of did. They didn't dwell on it enough for me to think Right. Of, like everything in this movie, yeah. they just kind of, oh, you're your daughter. Flash, 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 flash. All right, back to the story. Back. We're going. Why for, wouldn't he yeah. want his daughter? Like, was Ray just an anomaly? The pacing. Like, the pacing was so choppy and fast that it didn't give you time to think about the lineage. Um, and that was one of that was one of the, also the one of the downers of mine. The fake deaths got on my nerves. If you're gonna do a death, it needs to be definitive. It needs to have a strong impact. Um, but also the the pacing of the film, things were going by fast. Mm-hmm. Like there needs to be some type of struggle with the stuff you're trying to find. There needs to be some type of struggle with. It can't be just shoot them up, bang bang. Like somebody's got to get seriously more injured than what we saw. You know what I mean? Didn't Poe get injured? What happened to that? Poe no. got injured on the Star Destroyer. Poe like, got, got shot, po- and that was like a moment. Poe like, oh, got shot. Poe got shot. It was like still, and he, he was still able, him. and he was still able to fly an X-wing with no problem. Oh, okay. I think she healed him. Like she, like Ray healed him again. Did he? I, I see. I don't even remember at this point. So I mean, she and used none of us. None of us know. <laughs> she used it a lot. <laughs> I mean, so. When I saw she did that to Sting, like, oh, they're setting up for some bullshit right now. <laughs> I, I read some of the leaks. Like, I, I like skimmed the leaks kind of ahead of time a little bit. So I don't know if that colors sort of how I how I reacted to the certain revelations. But it's like, oh my god, they really are gonna 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 do this. This whole thing that like Anakin and and. I mean, I don't know what the status of the canon is with, like, force healing. I guess it's, like, in the video games, there's, like, canon force healing and things like that, but... Well, this kind of felt like a video game, to be honest. Like, structurally, right. things felt like a video game. I had a question for either of you. Have you... Have either of you ever seen the movie Kingdom of Heaven? No, I haven't. I haven't. That's the Ridley Scott Crusades movie, right? Yes. Yeah. Good, uh, see- good director's cuts. Yeah. And I kind Miles of... better. This movie... You did do like an extended director's cut because the original cut of Kingdom of Heaven had kind of the same kind of pacing issues that this movie did, where it just it doesn't care about the characters. Like things just happen really fast, really fast. Characters die really fast, really fast. You don't really get a sense of who these characters are or anything. But then there's an extended like four and a half hour version of the movie, and it's a masterpiece it's so good and it's like is this even the same running theme with ridley scott because if you see like his other like i know blade runners like Mm -hmm. this the 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 example of like an improved director's cut uh, his movie legend which is my personal favorite of his got a director's cut with a whole new score Mm -hmm. 
And I feel like if we get like the well, that whole thing was the original score, but they cut it, blah, blah, blah. or something like with an extended, you know, that expands upon all these really weird and loose themes that we get in this movie. Like, I think they, it's going to be tough because of the way these kinds of movies are made, right? Only because a lot of it, like. A lot of the scenes are probably just not done CG CG wise. Like they work on this literally like up to like the last minute kind of thing. Well, this so it's movie gonna be very rushed. So it's like it's like what people talk about when when people talk about like the Snyder cut, like the Snyder cut of Batman of uh, what was it Justice League? I haven't even seen the original Justice League, so I don't I don't know if a frame of reference for this. It's but, like, trash. If don't there waste was time. a cut, it's what I I don't really care much about the the DC. I didn't like Batman vs Superman. Anyways, um. All these, this supposed cut, if it did exist, would most likely be like made up of like previs, like really like polygon people, placeholders, and like storyboards and things like that, placeholders for a lot of the scenes. They wouldn't be finished or anything like that. So to make that for like a effects heavy blockbuster, they would need to invest a hefty amount of cash to finish the scenes, and unless they're like, unless they're like just like scenes of people talking. So it, it seems like this movie isn't even going to make enough money to warrant half of that anyway. So, and I think a lot of the problem with the, the the pacing of this movie was just within the scenes themselves. Like I felt like if they just kind of let the scenes breathe a little bit on their own, they could have. Like, there were so many scenes where I like I feel like this could work if you just kind of kind of let the moments kind of breathe and sink in a little bit within the right. scene itself. Well, the first half hours kind of felt like if they would have said, like, previously on Star Wars. Like, that first 30 minutes seems like it was kind of like that. Like, you didn't have any room to breathe on breathe on anything. It was just, like, highlights of what's going to lead you up to the story. Um, I got to get going here. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no problem. Um, so, with, with that being said, I just want to give... I got two questions, and we'll be done uh, my first question is: Is where does this rank um, among all the Star Wars films? Is it at the bottom of your list, the middle? Where where is it? I would say um, for I can't arbitrarily remember everything, but I would say it's sixth if I can really think of where it can go, because. Uh, How, what what is what is like just your ranking of all like yeah. what, I need a frame of reference for this. What's okay. ahead of it? What's behind it? Empire. I've got, I've got my. I just posted yeah. like my new official rank list. So Empire's number one, as um, it should be. I I think New Hope is too, just because I like it. It's just a standalone like adventure film that's really fun. Um, I actually think uh, Revenge of the Sith is third. Uh, Rogue One is fourth. Return of the Jedi is fifth. And maybe this is sixth, then, because I really don't like I I don't really watch all the other ones. I can't really see myself watching for any reason ever again. Did you you liked it more than Last Jedi and Force Awakens? Well, I kind of have like almost a disdain, not a disdain for the Force Awakens, but when I saw the Force Awakens, it's almost like a setup for things that are so that you think they're going to build upon and they're going to be so good. So I almost like watch. I, just, I don't think, I don't game. think it was set up. Set up implies a plan on where it's going to be going. JJ right. Abrams is good at setting up mysteries. Mysteries aren't story. Mysteries aren't set up. 
if J.J. Just, Abrams can't, it's, it's J.J. So, Abrams can't end anything, and the reason he can't end anything is because he doesn't know how to begin things. Because the key to a good, if your ending isn't working, it's because your beginning doesn't work either. Mm. So I'm thinking, look up his <laughs> TED talk about mystery boxes. It's, it's yeah, bad it, that this guy is allowed like to like write scripts. <laughs> so let me let but me. Makes me angry. It kind of makes me angry because when I rewatch it, I'm like, you didn't have any idea what you were doing here. It's a, he was taking out a loan for somebody later to pay back, and he didn't know it, but that person was going to be him. Oh wow! Hey, uh, Matt, where do you rank? Rise right, Skywalker. Uh, fuck. Let me pull this up. Uh, Empire Strikes Back is my favorite, followed by Return of the Jedi, followed by Revenge of the Sith. Followed by A New Hope, followed by The Last Jedi, and then Force Awakens, then Episode One, then Two, then Rogue One, then Solo, and at the very bottom is Rise of Skywalker. Because as bad of films as some, uh, not bad of films, because as whatever problems the other films had, I feel like I got something out of them. Whether it's you know thematically, emotionally, in moments or like characters that I kind of liked or something like that, I walked out of Rise of Skywalker not feeling much of anything. I didn't feel like I really got anything out of it other than like this kind of a vague sort of like excitement from just you know, boom, the camera's moving fast, action scene kind of here is the pacing, characters yelling and things like that. It was. And like, yeah, I just this movie. I didn't feel anything. It it. I didn't hate. I don't hate it. I wasn't disappointed because I didn't really go in with expectations. And for me, a movie that's, you know, clearly that's by committee, doesn't have a voice, doesn't really mean anything, is worse than a really worse than a poorly executed movie, with an idea behind it, with. So clearly somebody had something they wanted to make to say and story they wanted to tell and even even if it was done poorly like or like like it is with the sequels i'd rather have that over something that's you know i don't know why it exists other than to be more star wars yeah it makes sense i got one last question and we're gonna close um the Business of sequels used to be a major event and a point where people would either make a good attempt on trying to establish a good sequel or it would be a failed attempt but respected. Now it seems like the idea of a sequel in Hollywood is more so a cash grab than anything else. A blatant nostalgic cash grab. So let me ask you guys this question. Have Star Wars fans gotten to the point where because things have not gone where they want it to go, are they giving solid, constructive criticism or are they just bitching about everything? That sounds like a loaded question. So you're asking at this point, has it almost become like like they become the comic book guy from The Simpsons, essentially? I'm 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 asking if we're if we're headed in that direction. Do you feel like it? If you feel like the constructive criticism is warranted, I'm I'm asking one of the, I'm asking one of the two things. What side are you on with this? I I think that um, 
both sides of the coin have been kind of played on both sides. Like, I feel like when you had The Force Awakens, it was a love letter to fans. And then you had The Last Jedi, which was kind of like a middle finger to the fans. And so... I don't think it was... I disagree that it was a middle finger to the fans. uh, It definitely felt like a middle finger to the fans. There's plenty of fans who love The Last Jedi. But I think even making I think even making the distinction of like the singular Star Wars fans is already kind of an exercise in futility because it's such a broad universal appeal kind of movie. You're gonna have fans with different tastes all over all over the spectrum and things like that. So even the concept of one or the other like being like actual fans doesn't doesn't really well, I, true to me. I think what we what we also don't really think about a lot is that hardcore Star Wars fans already got their sequels in the expanded universe. They actually had like a Lucas approved canon to draw from. They had like the continuation of the story. They had Han and Leia's children. They had Luke's wife. They had his children. They had like this whole canon that was working towards something big. And then Disney just totally wiped it clean. So any hardcore fans that preferred that expanded universe narrative, they're already subject to being more overly critical of someone else's interpretation. Mm. If that makes sense. Definitely does. It definitely does. Um, well, I want to thank both of you gentlemen for coming on to Audio Air Strike to talk about this. Uh, we have definitely opened some people's eyes and have pissed some people off. You can't please everybody. That's the moral of the story. You just can't please everybody. Ask Disney, ask Star Wars, ask us. We cannot please everybody, especially fans of a... Well, one thing that we all can agree on is that people love Star Wars. People are very passionate about Star Wars, as we can see. We're doing a whole hour on it. So with that being said, first of all, Matt, I want to thank you for coming on. Kale, I want to well, thank you for, for coming me. on. Um is there anything that you guys got going on that you want to plug? Any films that you guys are working on? Any projects you guys are working oh, on? Anything. You got to spring this on me, man. Uh, I got I to I, do it. We're creators here. Uh, the only thing, well, I mean, my biggest project I've been doing for about two years now, I've been making a webcomic called The Imperial Guard, which cool. is pretty cool. Um, hold up, hold up. Is that based on that script that you were doing in that screenwriting class yes, that we were I doing? Did. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes it is <laughs> yeah all right uh, uh in my case i'm uh, finishing up working on my on my first feature film script that i've been i've been working on for a while uh i've been working on an animated short film that's been kind of in the works uh what else am i doing oh i'm i'm working on a on a novel this is like stuff i can't really plug because it's all like you're stuff developing that's kind of in progress yeah. right now I mean, I just posted my short film that I just finished its festival run on Vimeo. Look up Matthew Friend, subscribe, or whatever bullshit. Plug. I'm bad at plugging myself. I mean, the only place you can find my webcomic is on the Tapas website, and it's Imperial Guard Tapas. Well I'll, be, well, I'll be sure and check it out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I really wanted to complete the first volume of it. I'm, all, I'm like 130 pages deep into it. And I'm working. You drew, you drew and you wrote and drew it. Yeah. Cool. Wow. Yeah, and I and I'm on the fifth and final part of the first volume, 
and that's when I'm going to like plug it a lot when I like finish it, so I can have like the first arc of it done, and so that's that's what I've been working on. And it's a story yeah. I've wanted to tell for years and years and years. The real version, not the version that went in script class, where he's like, you have to adjust it for a script purpose. I hated that class, by the way. I, I did not like the teacher hey, either. I have to hear one more thing about Groundhog Day. Like, if he... <laughs> was, what about Bob was apparently oh, just like... Yeah. This like pinnacle of screenwriting that we had to like root all of our conceptions about structuring a screenplay about, and it was fucking awful. Sorry if this is supposed to be look, like a PG thirteen podcast. No, no, you good. I've I've said a couple of choice words. Uh, so Matt basically hates his screenwriting teacher. So whoever his screenwriting teacher was, he don't like you're behind it all. Uh, he hates JJ nice Abrams. Yeah. I don't hate JJ Abrams. You just blasted him for fifty minutes. <laughs> I'm just trolling you. <laughs> I don't want trolling. anyone to hate anything. I'm just getting jokes off right now. It's fine. I don't want. I don't want people to hate. Like what you like. The best, like what you like. The best actual Star Wars media to come out in a long time was the uh, Tommy Wiseau uh, inserted in. The yeah, there's Star- a pist- pistol shrimp. That's the the yeah, YouTube channel. That, that was genius. That's brilliant. That and the, like it says at the end, if a lot more people loved each other, the world would be a, would much, be a much better place. Well, on that note, I we'll, think we should end it on that. Yeah, <laughs> on that note, we'll close it here. This has been another edition of Audio Airstrike. Thank you for listening. Until next time, everybody. See you.